Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24, 25, and 26. We've been trying to take about three chapters at a clip here and seeing the big picture, seeing God's ministry to His saints. I want to give you some summary verses and then I'll go back uh, through a good bit of 1 Samuel 24 through 26. Uh, we'll begin reading in chapter 24, verse 1. Hear God's word. Now when Samuel, excuse me, when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel, and he went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. The men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. It came about afterwards that David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. So he said to his men, Far be it from me, because of the Lord, that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, since he is the Lord's anointed. David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul arose, left the cave, and went on his way. Then jump over to chapter 25, verses 2 through 4. Now there was a, a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And it came about while he was uh, shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the man's name was Nabal, his wife's name was Abigail, and the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his dealings, and he was a Calebite, that David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. Skip to verse 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we were not insulted, nor did we miss anything as long as we were, went about with them while we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both at night and by day, all the time we were with them tending the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what you should do, for evil is plotted against our master and against all his household, and he is such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. And then chapter 26, verses 6 through 12. Then David said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Abishai, the son of Zariah, Job's brother, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I'll go down with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping inside the circle of the camp with his spear stuck in the ground at the head, and Abner and the people were lying around him. Then Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy to your hand. Now therefore, please let me strike him with the spear to the ground with one stroke, and I will not strike him the second time. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? David also said, As the Lord lives, surely the Lord will strike him, or his day will come that he dies. 
or he will go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But now please take the spear that is, in his, that is at his head and the jug of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water from beside Saul's head, and they went away, but no one saw or knew it, nor did anyone awake, for they were all asleep because a sound sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. And then verse 23. And the Lord will repay each man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I refuse to stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. I want us to uh, think about what God's doing here. We left David last time. You get a hint of that, chapter 24, verse 1, when it says Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines. We, we left the story last week with this dramatic account of Saul on one side of the mountain and David on the other side of the mountain. They were both running, or David was running to escape and Saul was running to get him. And just when Saul was going to wipe him out, he had to leave and go after the Philistines. And we saw story after story after story like that of God making provisions for David's escape. Anytime David needed to escape, somehow God provided the way. It's different, though, than from having provisions for escape, from having clear direction, having a word from God, this is the way, walk in it. And I think that's where God takes us now. Instead of just saying, I provide for my people, I give them instruction. I give them direction. I tell them what my will is for their life so that they can have the path of God and walk it. Now, knowing the will of God, that's an important subject. If you have a conference, I don't know, at RYM, you high schoolers who are going down there, if they, they, they used to give you a set of electives. Whenever they would put knowing the will of God on the electives of classes you could choose while you're down there, that's always the most popular one. People want to know, well, I, I want to know how to know the will of God, what it is for my life. You can read books on it, you can go to conferences on it, but you don't really have to work that hard. 1 Samuel 24, 25, and 26 gives you a great pattern for knowing the will of God. I want you to see it this morning, how, how God gives us the example of David and how he gets the will of God. And he gives him encouragement to stay in the will of God. And then he shows us he's constantly evaluating, examining, testing us to see if we are indeed in the will of God. So this morning, I think you, you're going to gain some great insight just in knowing and understanding the will of God for your life, whatever the situation. We've sung a lot of songs. Usually we want about distress and hope and trust. Usually we want to know the will of God when we're, we're in distress. It's like, oh man, I don't, I don't know what to do. I wish somebody would just tell me what the will of God is in this situation. It's usually in those times that we need it most. That's the situation for David. He's in great distress. He's being pursued Starts off telling us, chapter 24, uh, verse 2, Saul took 3,000 of his men. Well, we know last, last reading, David's only got 600. Saul's taken 3,000 men, and he's out to kill David. He's pursuing him. That's distress when you're outnumbered and soldiers are coming to get you. What does David do in that situation? Well, David's hiding in a cave. I read that to you. And he's in this cave, and it must be a, a large cave. All of his men are in it. They've walked in. They've gone way to the back of this cave. 
And lo and behold, Saul and his men, they're on the right trail. They're looking for David. They're close. They've been walking, you know, all day, looking for David, signs of David. Saul's tired. He says, I'm going to go in that cave and just have some alone time, you know. i got to use the bathroom. This king wants to be alone. Leave him alone. So he walks in the cave. And I, I suspect, as you or I would do if you had some sort of robe, you take that robe off, lay it down if you're going to use the bathroom. So that's what happens. While he's in the cave, David's men, you know, you're back in the cave. If you're already adjusted to the light, you know, in a dark spot, you can start seeing things. You can't see if you just walk into the dark. So Saul's walking into the dark. His eyes are clearly blurry. The guy sitting in the dark looking out towards the light, they're like, behold, wow, this is cool. The enemy, he's walking straight to us. I mean, David's men just are beside themselves, giddy. This has got to be unbelievable that this is the day God spoke about. We know, David, we want you to know, we know God's will for your life. Wake up, David. You know, whatever David's doing, look. God said he was going to give you your enemy. He's going to put him into your hand. Here, laid on a platter. Do what's right. So again, the language, do what's right. Do the will of God. So David thinks about that. He says, okay, y'all stay back. And he walks towards Saul. Saul's probably looking out the other way by this time because you can see if you look towards the light. David comes up from behind him, sees the robe laying there. He could take his spear and kill him. He thinks about all of that. Decides to take his spear, cut off a piece of the robe, and go back to his men. And you can imagine as he goes back to his men, his men's their jaws are probably on the ground like, what? A piece of cloth? What? Why, why didn't you kill him? You're a killing machine. You're a killing machine. I mean, why didn't you do that? He's killed tens of thousands of people. This should be a no-brainer. This should be easy. This is the guy that's forcing him to live in the cave. And David's response to his men, and he says down in verse 7, he says, he had to persuade them, which makes me think, you know, some of his, his strong captains, they say, David, uh, something's gone over you. This is our opportunity. We'll go take him out. This is easy. And David has to persuade them. No, 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 don't kill him. Don't kill him. So he persuades them with these words. And these words are, he is the Lord's anointed. David aligns himself constantly with the word of God. What's the word of God? You should honor your leaders. You should obey your leaders. You should be submissive to your leaders. Especially these leaders that have been put in office by God. There's a lot our country could learn from this. Even if you don't like him. Even if he's trying to kill you. There's... There's a place in which he's, he is God's anointed. Yes, God said he's going to take care of my enemies. But he didn't tell me to take them out. He tells me to honor my leader. He's still my leader. And he's the Lord's anointed. So David persuades him with this, those words saying, this is not the will of God. Our job is to walk according to the Word of God, according to the path of God, 
according to what God says. Um, you know, there's lots of times we say, oh, the, the will of God is my peace. It's my happiness. It's what will make my life easier. All of those things would have worked but for killing Saul. David's life may have been easier, more peaceful, more happy. But David said, you know, that's not how you know the will of God. You know the will of God by looking at the Word of God. And the Word of God tells me he's the Lord's anointed. And you don't lay your hand on the Lord's anointed. So David's constantly aligning himself with the Word of God and following it. Now, you all know uh, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first what? God, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, his ways, and then all these things that you need, food, water, clothing, all these things will be added to you. But you need to seek first God. Not seek first your happiness, your clothes, your shelter, your Seek first God. And you see David clearly doing that. That's the will of God, is to seek first God. Um, how many times do we do that? There's times we say, oh, it's just, it's, I got this, this wonderful opportunity to get an extra job, to move, to go to a different school, to do X, Y, Z, doesn't matter. It's perfect opportunity. Perfect opportunity doesn't necessarily re, um, translate into will of God. See, David had the perfect opportunity to kill Saul. Well, I got a real peace about it. I'm, I'm real happy with this. Real peace, real happy also does not translate necessarily into the will of God. Some of the things, we've been squeezed into this mold of the world thinking the will of God must be my peace. It must be my happiness. It must be my ease. When many times you see over and over, the scripture says, no, take up your cross and walk. It's a burden. It might be hard, it might be difficult, but this is the will of God, and walk in it. Seek first God. Um, I love this psalm, Psalm 131, it's only three verses. It's the psalm of David, and um, it describes his, his life, uh, his principles, what he goes by. And you can see it here, let me, let me read it for you. Psalm 131, it gives, it's just a, a brief little uh, analogy. Psalm 131, O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Literally, the Hebrew is saying, I don't push myself up into things above me. And he says, I don't involve myself in great matters. The Hebrew, I don't, see, I'm lowly, I'm, I'm humble. I don't exalt myself into things that are really over me and above me. I don't push myself into prominence or preeminence. This is David's testimony. And then he gives this analogy, verse 2. says, Surely I've composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rest against his mother. My soul's like a weaned child within me. He says, picture a child just, you know, laying on, on mom's chest or dad's chest, taking a nap, whatever. You just see that, that sweet little one in that contented state. And David says, that's me right there. I'm that kid who is content to just be close to God. I'm not the kid that's always out there running full speed ahead trying to, to get the next thing. 
I'm trying to be close to God and be content with being close to God regardless of what else is going on. Do you not see that when he has this perfect opportunity to take Saul out? David said, no, 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 guys. Let's be content to sit in this cave if that's what God wants. Let's be content to seek God. I mean, God's brought Saul in here, obviously. But we have no command to take him out. Let's, I like to say it this way. Let, don't buy God's presence. Don't buy your own presence from God. If God promises you blessing, if God promises you uh, prosperity, if God promises you success, let God give it. Don't go out and take it. Don't push yourself into it. Let God give his own gifts. A lot of times we want to buy our own presence. The stuff God was going to give us if we had just been content and sat back in the will of God. We've pushed ourselves forward and God's not pleased. We have to work through issues, you know, regardless of what it is. James chapter 1 3 through 5, when we're in stressful situations and trying to figure out what to do, this is how James attacks finding the will of God. James 1, verse 3, says, Know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And God's testing you at this point. It will produce endurance. Let the endurance, verse 4, have its perfect result. In other words, let this thing run its course. Don't push yourself out of this situation. Let God do his thing. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you don't know what the will of God is, ask God. Pray about it. Seek his word. But be content to to just kind of stay in place. Till that will of God is made plain. Don't go contrary to the will of God uh, because you feel like, well, I got to do something. I got to do it now. Let me give you some uh, some summary principles. What we've gotten here in First Samuel twenty-four. Number one, I think we get a clear principle. We need to trust God to keep His own promises. David's men come to to David and say, "This is God's promise to you." Your enemies, kill him. Whoa, 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 you just added to God's promises. God didn't tell me to lay my hand on the Lord's anointed. Why don't we sit back and trust God to keep his own promises? We don't have to do God's work for him. God is faithful and true. Stay back, trust. It's a time to rest. It's a time to be content. It's not a a time to, to, to seek something faster than than God wants us to seek it. Uh, Trust God, His promises. Don't buy your own presence. Number two, choose the path of greater obedience, not less. The path of greater obedience, not less. I frequently ask you, you know, when you come to me, say, David, what do you think the will of God is for me in X, Y, Z, this situation? And I'll say, well, let's just walk through the Ten Commandments together. Because that's my grid. That's, that's God's law. That's the command. And as you walk through the Ten Commandments, say, okay, you're here, and you think the decision is for you to move here. 
Will that move, whatever it is, is it a move to a school or job or marriage or relationship, whatever? Will that move from A to B? Will that enable you to seek God first? First commandment. Will it enable you to seek God His way? Second commandment. Will it enable you to honor Him through your words and your behavior? Third commandment. Will it honor you to keep the, the Sabbath day? The fourth commandment. Will it keep you honoring your family relationships? The fifth commandment. You just, you just walk through the Word of God. Because God's promised to bless you as you're obedient to His Word. So as, as you ask for the will of God, you, you look at the law of God, and that's what David was doing. He says, the law of God is real clear about how we're to respond to our leaders, the Lord's anointed, and so let's just stay with that. Seek the path of greater obedience, not less obedience. I'll give you an easy one. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Uh, it doesn't get simpler than this uh, on a lot of things. 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 3, I think I said 13, sorry. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 says, For this is the will of God. Underline that, put it in red, put a box around it, whatever you need to do to remember where you can find a verse on the will of God. This is the will of God. Next two words. Your sanctification, or some translations, your holiness, your obedience. And then it gives you a situation they're dealing with, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess your body in sanctification, holiness, and honor. Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. If you know God, you know the will of God is for you to keep the law of God. This is the will of God, your holiness, your sanctification. So when you're trying to figure out what is the will of God, well, the choice must be greater holiness. It must sanctify me. It can't make me less holy. It can't keep me from seeking God. It can't keep me from speaking honorably about God. It can't keep me from keeping the Sabbath command. It can't keep me from honoring my, my parents. It, there's lots of choices we make. So, well, you know, I, I, I got to make this choice, but she, she never wants to go to church with me, this choice about a religion. Or they won't let me uh, be at church anymore. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Did you make this decision by going through the commands of God? Because the, the, the way you know the will of God is it's always greater obedience, not less. It's sanctifying. It's holy. This is the will of God. That's what David was doing. He was trusting God to keep his promises. He was choosing to walk a path that was in greater obedience to God's promises, even when he was under distress and his life was being threatened. Third principle, just patiently accept God's slowness with contentment. Have you ever seen God get in a hurry? That frustrates me. I like to attack. I like to do things fast. I like to get a lot done. I hate it when God says, be still and know that I'm God. Like, oh. I like, I like to strive. God says, cease striving. 
Some of you are extremely slow in here, and I've told I, I, I get frustrated with you. I don't like slow. That means I get frustrated with God. One of the toughest things to do in embracing the will of God is to accept God's slowness. He often says, be still, quit striving, be patient. After all, love is patient. You want to love me? Just, just rest. Be content in my arms like David. You don't have to get up and get going. You can rest here with me a while. And a lot of times you see that's, if you're like me, you get frustrated with that. You're ready to get on to a solution and a conclusion, and that forces you outside the will of God. Know the will of God. It's found in His Word, and get content with that. Be like that child that just rests. Or, or we're not, we're not going to walk in it. And then fourth principle we see here is this: pray with endurance for God's provision. Pray with endurance that we found in James 1. Pray with endurance for God's provision and plain direction. God often takes us through the fire to sanctify us, to minister to us, to take us where He wants. It's not, I don't know where we come up with this conclusion, God makes it easy and takes us around the problems so that we don't have to face the problems. When there's a problem in your life that's caused by an event or person or whatever, we need to figure out how to face the problems in a godly way, not just escape and get, a, get away. David has this situation of Saul constantly in his face, and he was learning how to just to face that and live with that God was providing for him, so why worry? We need to get there as well. That's God's example for us in the life of David. We do well to follow that example. David almost gets off that example in chapter 25 of 1 Samuel. Chapter 25, or again, remember the story. David is in this wilderness area where there's this man named Nabal, and he's got 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats. That's a lot, of, a lot of critters to keep up with. And obviously, the story's telling us, when you've got 4,000 animals grazing out here, it's easy for a robber, a thief, a neighbor, come in at night, daytime, whatever, snatch one of those animals, because it's, it's not hard to kill sheep or a goat to take one when nobody's noticing. So dealing with theft, when people are hungry and they need food, hey, let's just go get one of Nabal's goats. Let's go get one of his sheep. Or somebody passing by and they're starving, let's do that. Well, so that was a serious problem. David and his men, they're living in this area. And because they are following the will of God, they said, you know, those aren't our sheep. Those aren't our goats. And when they see somebody else come up, hey, those aren't your sheep or goats either. You mess with them, you mess with us. And so they have been protecting David, I mean Nabal, and his flock for, for, for a while now. And then it comes time to shear the sheep. And David knows that when you're kind to somebody, when you're loving somebody, you're protecting somebody, it's, it's just right that you're 
honored for that. You're respected for that. You're appreciated for that. Maybe rewarded for that. So Nabal's shearing his sheep. He's making a huge profit. The scripture says he's very rich. And David sends the message, hey, uh, you know the reason you're making such a good profit this year? is because we've been protecting you. Uh, we would think a little fee is in order. And Nabal says, not on my watch, uh-uh. And Nabal just dishonors and disrespects the whole scenario. And he does it in such a way that David gets frustrated. This is just wrong. It's time for justice. And David says, guys, get your sword sharp. Let's go. We're going to wipe this guy out. And so he, he starts on his way to, to wipe out Nabal, which means you wipe out him and his wives and his children and anything you want. That's the course David's on. Is that the will of God? Well, Abigail, Nabal's wife, finds out about it. You know, you always got these runners back and forth saying, this is what's happening, get ready, da-da-da-da. Well, Abigail gets the message David and his men are coming. Abigail immediately gets up, fixes a cart full of food and water and wine, whatever, and starts up the hill to meet David head on. And she meets him head on. She says, David, David, I know who you are. I know what you're doing. I know it's right. It's good. My husband is wicked. He did not respect you. He didn't do the right thing. Let's, let's stay with the right thing, though. Let's stay with the will of God. Here, take, take, uh, take what I've brought. If that's not enough, I'll give you more. But let's stay with the will of God. David immediately gets that from Abigail. He, he receives encouragement. Sometimes we get off the path. Abigail comes and says, you're off path. Let's get back on course. Let's, let's seek God and his ways. And David does that. Sometimes I think we need that kind of encouragement to not take matters into our own hands. Um, back over chapter 25, let's see, I think it's... Uh, uh, verse 28, uh, Abigail speaking, Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil will not be found in you all your days. Notice, notice how that language sounds like David even. It's like, let's, let's, uh, let's be humble. Let's be trusting. Let's seek the Lord's anointed. She's, she's bringing David back to what he knows is the will of God. Verse 29, should anyone rise up to pursue you and seek your life, then there, the life of my Lord shall be found in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. Like Abigail, I, I know this is God's will for you. Verse 30, and when, and when the Lord does for my Lord according to all the good that he's spoken concerning you and appoints you ruler over Israel... This will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord, both by having shed blood without cause. In other words, and, and catch this, and by my Lord having avenged himself. See, that's taking matters into your own hands. Vengeance is not ours, is it? It's the Lord's. Abigail says, you know, don't do this. When the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Uh, verse 33, David says, Blessed be your discernment. Blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. David knew the will of God, 
Abigail knew the will of God, but David needed encouragement to get back there. Abigail gives it down at verse 38. Ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. What a testimony to, to Romans 12, um, 18 and following. Let me, let me read it real quick about vengeance. You've heard it. Here's a clear example of it. Uh, Romans 12, verse 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay says the Lord. Well, Abigail brings that up. David, don't take your own vengeance. Don't buy your own presence. Don't take matters into your own hands. God's promised to make you the ruler and king. But you're not there yet. Just be content. Rest. God's going to take care of you. David says, you're exactly right. Let's stay with that. Thank you for keeping me from taking my own vengeance. I'll let God deal with that. Ten days later, God deals with it. Takes Nabal out. Didn't have to wait that long at all. But we sometimes need to be reminded to wait. Don't respond with anger, fighting, divorce, whatever. Um, you know, I had this. I had this lady come to me once. And she said, uh, "My husband's abusive. I think I need a divorce." I said, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. You may be exactly right. You may." Truly need a divorce because abuse is terrible. But I said, the fact that you've come to me and the fact that you showed no signs of being a believer in God, I said, let's back up a little bit. I said, why can't we use this situation, the abuse and all that's going on at home, let's use it to seek God first. You don't need me to be your Savior, you need Jesus to be your Savior. I said, let's seek Him first and all His ways. And you do that and go back home and seek him first. If the abuse is still there, yeah, then come back to me. We'll talk divorce. But let's seek God first and let's get content with seeking God first instead of you finding ways to take out vengeance on your husband and others. Let's seek God first. And she said, okay, I'll try that. And she did. And God transformed her heart. And God transformed her husband's heart and her children's heart. And she lives happily ever after today. Because the will of God was God first, and then God's ways, and not taking vengeance, not getting angry, not fighting, let God deal with that. God could have easily took the husband out, just like he took out Nabal. Sometimes he does that, and sometimes he takes him out by way of divorce, which is why I said, that may be the way we go. But we don't always know. Let's start with God first and God's ways. And let's get on this path of God's will and get content with it. And then see what God does with his promises to provide and to protect. And that's what Nabal was doing. I mean, excuse me, Abigail. She said, David, let's just get back on this path of God being your provider, taking care of you. Get off this path of you taking out vengeance. You, try, you, know, you, you told your men you weren't going to do that with Saul. Don't do it with Nabal. Let's do it God's way and see what God does. And God provided and blessed uh, it's not God's will for us to avenge ourselves beware of God's encouragers sometimes it might be an intelligent beautiful woman like Abigail 
who says, you know, have you thought of this? Sometimes it might be a Sunday school teacher. Sometimes it might be a husband or a wife or a child or a friend. It could even be a preacher. Have you thought about this? God loves to encourage us, and he wants to use us to encourage one another, to build one another up, to keep one another in the Word of God. I desperately need the church to, to put bounds, strings, walls on me. We all need the church to keep us on the path. We need that encourager. And so open your ears and eyes to people like Abigail that come along and say, remember what God tells us to do in this situation? It's like, whoa, stop. From God, a message through his people. And that's what we get in chapter 25. It's just a beautiful thing of seeing God use Abigail to minister to David when he was really about to step off uh, the path and do his own thing. Then chapter 26. When you get to chapter 26 of uh, 1 Samuel, I get one of those, you know, I call them buffalo moments kind of thing where I'm just puzzled like, God, why this chapter? You've already told me this. You, you don't need to tell me again. See, chapter 24 was David in a cave cutting off Saul's robe. And says, Saul is the Lord's anointed. I, I shouldn't be killing him. Chapter 26, we don't have David in the cave killing off Saul. We have Saul fast asleep on the ground. And David and one of his key captains being able to walk right up to him and kill him. David says, we're going to go down to the camp. You know, you know, I'm a little frustrated with Saul. I'm just going to have a powwow. They get down to the camp. Everybody's asleep. He says, who will go with me? Abishai said, I'll go. They get down there, and Saul is in the inner circle. All the soldiers, 3,000 soldiers are around him. So you've got to step over whatever, you know, divide it in thirds. You've got to step over 1,000 soldiers to get to Saul. So you get into Saul, and nobody's woke up. Nobody's having a rough night, can't sleep. Everybody's fast asleep. You get to Saul, and right beside his head's a spear and a jug of water. And Abishai says, I got this. He says, give me permission to kill him. He said, you can name the tune in three notes. I can kill this man one strike. Done. He will die peacefully in his sleep. Let me do it. David says, no, 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 no. We're not going there. And I'm thinking, we didn't go there in chapter 24. Why are you telling me this again in chapter 26? It's really just the same story. Why does God sometimes give us the same thing over and over? Well, we need it over and over, don't we? And God also likes to test and examine our faithfulness to him. Okay, David, you got it right in chapter 24. You almost messed up in chapter 25. Let me test you again. And David gets it right again. We need that too. God often does that for us as little tests, as a little examination. We know it's God's thing because look at chapter 26, verse 12. So David took the spear and the jug of water from beside Saul's head, and they went away, but no one saw or knew it. 
nor did any awake, for they were all asleep. Why? Circle that word. Because a sound sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. A sound sleep. Because God put them to sleep. God gave them the drugs. Whatever it was, it knocked them completely out. So not anybody even saw, knew, heard, smelled they were there. So that later on when David confronts Saul and says, here I got the, the robe, now I've got the spear and the jug. Do you not get this? God is blessing me. You need to quit this pursuit of me. Just like I'm treating you as God's anointed, you need to treat me. I'm God's anointed. I'm the next king. Let's un- come to an understanding of God's will. Saul's not getting it, but David is. And we need to get it. We need to see God's will, God's way. God is often testing us. You know, the same thing happened with Jesus in the wilderness after he came out of that wilderness 40 days, 40 nights. Satan tempts Jesus. You remember that? Satan's, Satan's plan is always to tempt us to get off the will of God, to get off the path. And Satan comes up to, to Jesus, Matthew 4, I think it's about verse 10. He says, Jesus, if you will just bow down to me and worship me, I'll give you all the nations. They'll all worship you. So what's Satan doing? He's taking the word of God and he adds to it. Psalm 2 talks about the nations will be your inheritance. Jesus was already getting the nations. Satan says, but you can have it now. You worship me, they'll worship you right here, right now. Jesus said, no, no, no. You don't test the Lord. God, he tests us. He evaluates us. Let's stay with God. Satan has to flee. The same is true with us. God is often testing and evaluating. Are we going to hold to what God says? If we will, we will be rewarded for it. Um, and David said in chapter 26, I just refuse to stretch, verse 23, I, re, I refuse to stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. God will reward him, and God does. Um, well, I think you kind of get the picture. What the will of God is. I hope God's been speaking to you, because we all have decisions to make. We're all facing times of distress. We need to trust God. We need to stay content with God. We need to seek what's greater obedience, not less obedience. We need to be praying. We need to be full of the Word of God. We need to be seeking the encouragers of the body of Christ and getting their counsel and their encouragement, staying on path. We need to realize God is testing us, but God greatly wants to bless us as we pass the test of faithfulness and staying with His Word, His way. Uh, You want a verse to memorize that just kind of sums it all up? Uh, Here's a good one, Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will make your paths straight. God will make our paths straight. We can get on the path and we can stay on the path. We seek God first, acknowledge Him first, best, honor Him, His word, His way. Let's pray together. Father, there are plenty of times where we've 
We've been frustrated and we wanted to know the next step, the next move, the next thought, the next idea, the next, the next something. Forgive us for the times where we've pushed forward, we've been striving instead of being content and waiting upon the Lord. Forgive us for leaning to our own understanding of what the will is instead of really seeking out the will of God according to your word. Father, we ask that you would make us those who are conformed to the way of God, to the will of God, that we seek earnestly, that we don't just, we don't just want it, we begin to hunger and thirst for it and walk a life that's pleasing to you. We thank you for the example of David, the encouragement of Abigail. We ask, Lord, that uh, you would teach us from these examples that we would find the will of God and stay in it. Father, for those who are, who are needing to seek you, we ask that you let them seek you while you may be found. May they not put it off. May they not seek all, what's going to cause trouble in this life, but may they seek you and find you their joy and their delight. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.